as we offer our lives in service to you, please teach all of us this evening how you would have us serve you. Amen. So, sacrifice and service go together, and you might like to think about this um, as sacrifice being how we should live our lives in response to grace, and service as what we should do with our lives. I'm sounding very funny. In even funnier than usual, um, in response to grace. So, the first part with Gary, how we live our lives, what our attitude is, um, that idea of, of sacrifice, and now service, what actually practically do we do? How do I spend my time? How do I spend my resources? So what actually are we going to do in response to grace, in response to um, our salvation, in response to what God wants, what am I actually going to do with the rest of my life? And we need to think first of all about why it is that we should serve, why we should serve God and why we should serve others. And there's there's all sorts of places in the Bible that we could go to look for this. And I've just given you one example from the beginning of uh, Colossians, uh, no particular need to, to look it up. Colossians 1, 9 to 12 is, you know how Paul always begins his, his letters with a, with a great prayer and, and thanksgiving for his readers. Um, and he, for the people in Colossae, he does, uh, uh, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. So notice the two parts of Paul's prayer. Paul, what he prays for, for the people, is knowledge of God's will and understanding. So he's praying that they grow in knowledge And he says that the reason that I do this is that you may live lives which are worthy of God and please him in every way. So it's really important we get our order right here. Um, What we know about God and about his will dictates how we behave and how we live our life. And if you've heard a few of my sermons on Sundays, uh, you're probably getting bored of this, but it's really, really, really important that actually what we uh, it's our understanding and our belief. So belief dictates behaviour. And actually so many people get that the wrong way around. They think that if they behave right, it will in some way influence how God thinks about them or how other people think about them. But the order, the biblical order is really clear. It's belief dictates behaviour. And so Paul prays that they will grow in knowledge of God's will and as a result, they will live lives which are pleasing to God. So that's, if you like, where service comes in. Service, our service comes because we grow in the knowledge of God and of his will. Which also means, I think at a very practical level, service needs to come after our own personal time of prayer and Bible study, and not before it, 
and certainly not instead of it. Um, and so, again, there is a temptation, isn't there, to kind of get going as a Christian and do stuff and go to meetings uh, and stuff. And that's not what we're supposed to do. What we're supposed to do, what we need to do first of all, is grow in the knowledge of God and his will. And the ways that we're given to do that is largely through prayer and Bible study. Which is why in the awakening course a month ago, we did prayer and the time after we did God's word. And we did that way before. We do the stuff on mission and we do the stuff on uh, sacrifice and service because that's the right order to think about these, these things. The Bible then has a very interesting piece of terminology for our service, and that is the word calling. And whilst um, uh, I suppose in some areas of modern language that word has been appropriated, in terms of its literary roots, the Bible is very, very uh, unusual in using the word calling. So the idea that God calls us to do something, or we are responding to God's call, is, a, is really quite an unusual um, thing. Um, what I wonder if we could do for the next two or three minutes, uh, and I'm afraid this is a bit harder work than Gary's one, um, uh, but you're warmed up and, and, and caffeined up. So again, in your twos or, or threes, um, uh, same group or, or, or different one if you didn't like what you heard last time. Um, uh, what is the difference between being called and being chosen? What's the difference between being called and being chosen? And you don't need to think particularly kind of woo scripturally, um, just actually you know, think in terms of what those words mean to you in modern day ideas as well. Instead, let's, we'll do two or three minutes on that and we'll come back with some ideas. Body or any groups feel able to share A difference between Andy. Yep. You have to be listening out for a call, whereas being chosen could be out of the blue. Thank you. John. Being chosen means your name is on the team sheet. Right. Being called means you've been allocated a position and trained and told where you're playing. Thank you. Being chosen means your name's on the team sheet. Called means a lot more than that. Okay. Anybody? Anybody else? Aren't we all chosen? Sorry, second. Aren't we all chosen? Aren't we all chosen? Yeah, we, yeah. We, I'm... we are the chosen. Uh huh. But we can get the call bit. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're all chosen people. Yep. Jan. Right. Calling needs a response. But if you're chosen, you're just chosen because you're you and you don't okay. have to do anything back. Calling needs a response. Being chosen doesn't necessarily. To do something, you have to do something. Great. Thank you. Yes. Well, I was just thinking that chosen, someone else has got to choose you. It doesn't come from 
someone choosing you, whereas a call can be something that's inside you to say, that's what I want to do. So oh, okay. So not only so we've not only do you have to have your ears open, but actually there needs to be something inside of you which draws you to that. Okay. Thank you. That's really helpful. Thank you. All of these are really good. Anybody else? Okay, we're gonna we're we're gonna get onto you know what, what, where's he going with this? Um, um, the way I think about it is cheese, um, and the way I th- the reason I think about it is cheese is that one of my jobs on a Monday is to go to Sainsbury's, um, and Sainsbury's has lots of different types of cheese, and I choose mild cheddar because that's all that my family can cope with. Um, what say does the cheddar have in that? Absolutely none. So that my choosing of mild cheddar is all about me reaching out and grabbing mild cheddar. <laughs> A calling, as we've teased out, it would make, if I said to you that I went to Sainsbury's today and I called mild cheddar, <laughs> you'd probably lock me up, right? So, but a calling is a much richer thing that involves both parties, as, as, we've, as we've actually teased out in a lot of different ways, about receptiveness and listening out for it, about something, in, you know, something inside the cheese saying, yes, I really want to be your cheese on toast today. You know, so... It's a much, much richer thing, and it's a much more of a two-way thing. As, as John said, it's, it's, it's a process, actually, rather than, just an, rather than just an event. So the, the biblical word for, for, our serv- for our service is about a response to our calling. Now, that was quite hard work, and I really appreciate it, but as your prize for that hard work, what you can now know is that you are better theologians than the NIV translators. So all of you here. So um, Exodus 31 is a, um, and, and, and you don't, again, you, put, you don't need to look it up. Um, Exodus 31 is a really good biblical example of calling. And it's um, the guys that are um, uh, uh, called to build the tent of meeting and all the bits and pieces inside. And the NIV says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri. Well, I'm sorry, NIV translators, but Bezalel, son of Uri, was not like a piece of cheese at Tesco. What the proper translation would be, something like the ESV, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him somebody whose name I can't pronounce, the son of Heisemuch of the tribe of Dan. And I have given 
to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. The tent of meeting, the ark of testimony, the mercy seat. So the Lord said to Moses, I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri. Not that I've chosen, but I've called. And as you work through that passage, and it's on your handout, notice also the different stages, if you like, to the practical outworking of this calling. So at the beginning, you get the calling, I have called. Then you get the filling, the filling with the spirit, and also the filling with knowledge and craftsmanship and ability. I have called by name, I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability, intelligence, knowledge and craftsmanship. And again, notice the order, that actually the calling comes before the competency, which is completely counterintuitive in our world. So when, we, you know, when people are responding to, uh, to job adverts or when, I, you know, when we're looking for people to fill roles, what we start with is a list of competencies. And actually what God and the Bible starts with is a calling, not a, not a list of, of skills. And then God, after the call, fills with the spirit and with skills. And then notice to Bezalel's mate, he doesn't call the second person, but he appoints. So actually, Bezalel is not doing this on his own. He's doing it with other craftsmen. But those are appointed, those are given to him. Those are, you know, it's closer to chosen, but it's not the same. An appointment is different from a calling. So I've called you, and I've given you ability, and now I'm going to give you some co-workers. I'm going to make sure you don't, you're not on your own in this venture, and I've appointed other people to work with you. And then he gives the ability, we get the list of all the skills in, in, in the different, um, uh, the different uh, metals that he can do. And finally, after all this is done, again, hugely countercultural. God provides the scope. So God calls, God gives ability, God gives co-workers, uh, God sort of spells out the ability, and only when God has done all of that does God give the job description. You know, make the tent and do it to this job spec. And again, the way the world do it would be completely the other way around. The, the world would identify the job, would draw up a spec, would appoint a project manager, you know, would get the budget, and then would start to think about the competencies, and right at the end would fill with the people. But actually, the biblical model is completely the other way around. God calls uh, people, and as, as, we, as we've teased out, that means those people need to be listening out for the call, need to have something in their heart which which attracts them to the call, because the call, by definition, means unlike the cheese and Sainsbury's, there's a choice. You can accept the call, you can reject the call. Um, you can accept the call joyfully, you can accept the call, you know, oh no, not another one, God. All those things. Uh, we won't look at it now, but um, 1 Corinthians seven seventeen. Uh, would suggest that all of what we've talked about applies to everybody in the church. So um, when Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, that 
that language and that framework is not just for a few special people, but is a, a language and a framework that Paul would suggest is for everybody in the Corinthian church. And if it's for everybody in the Corinthian church, it's probably for everybody in the Slaffer and Staplefield and West Line and whatever churches, probably. Um, so that's, that's the kind of, that's what God does and that's, that's how it, kind of how it works biblically. Kind of, that's great, but how do I know what it is that I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life? How do I know what God is calling me to? Is a, is a topic which you know, all sorts of people have struggled with for, in all sorts of different ways, actually kind of throughout Christian history and, and, and including today. Um, help, and there are a number of ways of looking at this, and a helpful model is one that I found um, from the author Paul Stevens. The book is, I wouldn't kind of recommend it as, as follow-up reading unless you're really, really interested in this stuff because it's a bit heavy. Um, uh, but the book is The Other Six Days, Vocation, Work and Ministry in Biblical Perspective. Uh, he's a Canadian author. And what Paul Stevens says is actually there are four calls. Uh, there are four calls. Um, they're on the sheet. The first call is to be a disciple, to be a follower of Christ. That is actually the call on our own lives of Christ himself. Uh, that is a call which all Christian people have in common. It's the same call uh, to all of us. Uh, and that is our first call. And actually, it's the most important call. Uh, of all. It's the one which, which Jesus would talk about the most. The second call is the one that most of us get the most het up about, which is, in his language, is the providential call, or the call to a particular service. Um, so Paul himself was a tent maker. Uh, in Acts 16, Lydia, uh, who we met uh, at the river outside Philippi, uh, was um, a merchant in purple cloth. Uh, and that was her providential call. That was her particular service. That was what she did. Um, and all of us, and, and for some of us that will be the same providential call for, for years and years and years, and for other of us that will change uh, over, over time. Um, I was called to be uh, uh, a banker for a number of years, and then I was called not to be a banker anymore, uh, and uh, I resisted that for a little while. Uh, but now I'm here. Um, so, that, and that, you know, that's, 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 that's my situation. Third call is what we might call the charismatic call, and we'll undoubtedly go into much more detail on this uh, in a month's time. Um, what it is that we're equipped by the Spirit with particular gifts. Um, so this is where our kind of, of, of our 1 Corinthians 12 passage comes in. So we're called to be disciples, we're called to do particular uh, tasks, and then we're called to use uh, the certain gifts which the Spirit has given us. And again, that might be the same gift all the time throughout our life, or there might be different gifts at different times. Um, probably more usually is actually different gifts at different times. And some of those gifts will appear just for a, 
uh, a fleeting moment, and then we may never have them again. And then if the providential call is the one that us all gets hit up about, the fourth one is the one that all of us feel a little bit kind of, oh, I don't, I'm not sure I you know, should go with this one, and that's our heart call. Because uh, we feel a bit like if, I, if I'm enjoying it, then it can't really be, can't really be what God wants. Um, uh, but that's absolutely not. At, at all right there is you know um, I'm sure that uh, Bezalel with all of his um, skills and abilities in uh, working with metal and wood and making these ornate things enjoyed it uh, yeah, that's what he had grown up to do he probably you know, learnt it from his from his father and his, and his older brother and they've probably been doing it in that family for generations and it's what he loved doing um, and our heart call is what we desire what brings us joy, what brings us satisfaction. And the reason that that's important to embrace is those are God-given emotions and feelings. And to say that actually, if I'm going to be doing a Christian service, it's not going to be stuff that I enjoy, then actually what we're doing is we're denying that God-given gift of our desires and our emotions and what, um, you know, what, what makes us feel good and happy. Uh, and that's a kind of a strange relationship with God that I'm having, if that's how I think I ought to um, uh, behave uh, to- towards him. So those are our four callings. And some of us, I guess, in the room will be clearer about some of them. And some of us will feel, oh, I haven't really thought about that before, or I'm not quite sure what that means for me. What Stevens then suggests is that the place that we are really called to by God is the place which blends all four. The place which makes sense given my calling to be a disciple. The place which is a particular task um, or, or use of my time that God calls me to. The place where um, I am open to the gifts of the Spirit enabling me to do that in a distinctly kind of spiritual and Christian way as opposed to uh, under my own steam and the place which satisfies that God-given um, desire and pleasure. And if we can, and part of, of the listening out and part of the responding and part of actually really, you know, what, what, what you said, Les, about something that in, in, in ourselves, which kind of says yes, is actually the place where all those four are satisfied. And so um, we haven't, uh, for the next month in your small groups, given you a particular sheet and a particular set of questions, but the invitation is probably first of all on your own and then to bring to the small groups as you feel most comfortable is to think through what those four different calls mean to you and then bring to your group kind of what you've what you know what you've learned from that and help you know help each other tease out you know those bits of the four which you find most most difficult and different small groups will find will be able to do that in a more or less um, uh, personal way, I suppose, um, and, and, and do that as, as you feel right in, in, in your group. That's, that's the way that I've found which is, which is most helpful. There are, there are others, 
and some of you will know, and some of you will have worked through Rick Warren Purpose Driven Life. Um, and if you haven't, I would really recommend it. Um, 40 days of two or three pages a day. Um, uh, 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 Teresa and I led a, led a home group for the best part of 10 years, and, and once as a home group, we all together worked uh, through it. Uh, I've actually done it three times and get, got something different out of it each time. Um, uh, and as you come towards the end of that, Rick gives um, a, another model, which actually sounds very similar, which is called Your Shape. So S for spiritual gifts, H for heart, A for abilities. P for personality and E for your experience. Um, I think he kind of takes for granted the, the, the call as a disciple uh, from the earlier chapters of the of the book. Um, so if you want a more kind of something that A gives you a bit more time to think about it, um, 40 days, and, and gives a structure and something which has been valuable to lots of people, I would, I would highly recommend um, Purpose Driven Life, and I'll leave a copy. Uh, there for anybody to, to to look at. So, why should we serve? The, the idea of calling. How do we discern what we're being called to? And then finally, how can we serve? And I put down five different things here, and the the purpose. Of this, this is absolutely not an exhaustive list, but the purpose of uh, you know, of these bullet points, I suppose, is to potentially open some eyes to areas which you might not have considered uh, in in the past, um, either because you didn't think that they were service or because you didn't think that was that was for me. Um, the first one is is intercession, and I actually, as I go on in the Christian life, I get more and more convinced about the importance of of this. And it is really clear to me that whenever there are um, whenever there there are mission activities as as widely defined as you might want to going on in God's church, that the the value and the protection behind those activities by faithful people who are giving them themselves time to to pray, to intercede for those activities is, is huge. So whenever that there is evangelism that Simon talked about last time going on, you know, for every evangelist there ought to be more than one intercessor uh, for that evangelism. Um, uh, whenever there are, you know, whenever we step out, and do you remember, like, you know, four or five months ago, we talked about spiritual warfare, and Rick talked about it. It was actually in the same month that we talked about prayer, wasn't it? Whenever we step out, the devil steps out as as well, uh, and the, the way in which um, uh, that gets reconciled, I think, in God's scheme of things, is by His faithful people praying, and that is a real act of service. Uh, uh, but not a kind of, yes, of course, I'll pray for you platitude, but actually a dedicating time. And, of course, here at St. Mary's with uh, uh, the prayer room at Dudley House, there already is actually some structure you know, in place for that, and there, it would not be hard to get more structure in place for more intercession. Um, 
second is the second area I wanted to touch on was that of evangelism, uh, which I know, again I know we, we talked about last month, but to place that in the context of Christian service and. The Bible is clear that some people are called to be evangelists, um, but not everybody is called to be an evangelist. But all Christians are called to be witnesses. And um, Gary spoke a bit about this in terms of developing your story. Um, You know, what has happened to me in my Christian life that I can be a a witness to. and a, a very small thing which was helpful to me when I was younger, when I got very upset because I thought that evangelism was very important and I thought I was rubbish at it. Um, uh, and um, a, a, a kindly old Yorkshireman pointed out to me that, yes, I was. Um, and the reason that I was is because I was trying to do the wrong job. That God calls witnesses, he doesn't call defense lawyers. Um, so God doesn't call people to stand up in court and argue his case for him. The Great Commission didn't say, go to the ends of earth and be defense lawyers standing up for me. It says, be witnesses. And what witnesses are called to do is speak of what they saw and heard. Done. <laughs> not to create any arguments, not to create any excuses, not to say, and oh, by the way, this is why I think God did that in my life. What the witness is called to do, and in a court of law, the witness is kept, you know, by the judge very tightly to doing this. What the witness is called to do is to speak of what they saw and what they heard truthfully. And the reason, as a younger man, that I was rubbish at evangelism because I thought God needed a defense lawyer. And he doesn't. He needs witnesses. Uh, It's very clear from Hebrews 13, um, just before the passage which uh, Gary brought to us, uh, that hospitality is a really important way in which we can serve. Um, and we um, spoke about this in, in, in the church in our, in our Hebrews uh, p- uh, passage. There are then all sorts of what I've called civic roles in which um, uh, we can serve and we can respond to a calling. And I think this is a... Um, uh, and I think churches could do more in this area, a kind of a faithful outworking of um, uh, Genesis 1 and what it means to be given dominion over the earth. What does it mean to be given dominion over the earth as men and women in today's society? And how would we exercise distinctly Christian dominion? Um, could spend five hours talking about that, couldn't we? So we won't. We'll move on. Um, uh, but worth thinking about, worth pondering, and all sorts of roles there, all sorts of, you know, you don't have to be the next David Cameron to do that, do you? All sorts of local roles, all sorts of volunteering roles, paid roles, all sorts of elected roles in which you could exercise distinctly Christian dominion in faithful response to Genesis 1, 26-27. The last area which 
being blunt, I just think everyone should do this. Um, and I think it's never too late, and that's go on short-term mission experience. Um, and the reason that you should do it is because it's scary. Uh, and then you learn to trust God. Because the thing about calling is it's God's initiative, not mine. Uh, and God, as we learned last month, is a God of mission. Uh, and, and there are all sorts of ways. And you, um, obviously there are, you know, there are ways in which you can do it overseas, but there are ways in which you can do it very locally. And if anybody, there'll be people in, you know, in, in the room who are, uh, actually more experienced than I, than I am in terms of, you know, opportunities. But there are all sorts of opportunities, uh, uh, for short term. Uh, it might be a, you know, it might be a long weekend, might be, um, a, uh, a week. Uh, it could be somewhere in this country, because it could be local, it could be somewhere in, uh, it could be in Crawley. Um, all sorts of short-term mission opportunities in Crawley. Um, really ungodly place. Um, uh, it could be, um, uh, uh, it could, you know, it could be much further afield. Right? It, could, it, it, it could be. Um, and I think that there is a sense in which all of us need to do it. Um, because then you, you, you learn, but A, it's a privilege, uh, but also we learn about who's in charge here and who called whom. Um, because there's a danger that as we get kind of too sophisticated in our own version of Christianity, you know, that we think that I call God to join in with me in the stuff that I actually quite enjoy doing. Uh, and that's, and it's, and it's not that. God calls us, uh, to be witnesses. Um, and I would you know, strongly recommend uh, short-term mission experience uh, as a way in which um, uh, we can we can do that. Uh, nearly at the end of our time, any questions or comments before we close? Okay. Um, should we close in prayer, and then I think we've got one thing that we just want to share with with, it, with everybody in terms of a takeaway. Um, dear Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy that has saved us. And in response to your mercy... We want to offer ourselves as living sacrifices and we want to respond to your call upon our lives. And we pray that you will help us to understand what that means in a very practical way for the next phase, the next season, the next amount of time in, in each of our lives today what it means to be a disciple, where you have called us to service, how we may use the gifts of your spirit, and what the call of our heart and our desire means. Please help us to understand and then to respond faithfully to your call. Amen.